0: Amen. Amen. Welcome home. You're at Bethany and my name is Tom. Always has been. Uh, Glad you're here. So glad to see so many of you that we just love you. We do. Uh, We love you guys too, the little ones, but you're splitting like there's no tomorrow and I can understand why. They got great things planned for you up there in Children's Church. If you find yourself between the ages of three and fifth grade, you may choose to join them. Acting childish is not an excuse for going to Children's church. So some of you are disqualified. Um, Wonderful, wonderful. Got a couple of housekeeping things to do before we get started. This is the coveted uh, college lunch sign-up sheet. Uh, Many people fight and scratch and kick and bite to get on the list. Don't do that. Do it in love. We only have, we're, we're, we're booked through like the first week of October. So if you want to be used by God to provide the college lunch. We have a budget for that. We'll work with you. We have other people who will help. Sign it up. Sign it up. Let's let's start it off over here and work it this way because this is a lot of people who will be eating rather than cooking. So good, 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 good. We love you. Um, If you have a Bible... Uh, This would be a good time to grab it and open it to Acts chapter 4. We are in the Acts to be Continued series. If you don't have a Bible, you might check under the seat in front of you. There may be one there. And if there is and you don't have one and you'd like one, please take that with you. We want one in every home and every heart. Uh, And so that's yours free. If you don't have one, raise your hand uh, because Tim will bring you one. I've been told we only have one left. So... Tim, maybe if two people raise their hand, one gets the Old Testament, one gets the New. I don't know. I don't know what you're going to do, but um, we want you to have that. Uh, This morning, we're going to be talking about fear uh, in in a non-traditional way. Um, Fear. As I think about it, I think about myself. As as a young kid, I was afraid of a couple of things. Uh, I was afraid of the dark. Uh, how many people, as as little kids, you gotta have to have the night light or the door open or still do? Yeah, yeah, I, I get you. I'm feeling you, man. I am. Um, I am afraid of heights. Um, not, like I can go upstairs. I, I'm not that jacked up. I, you know. Uh, but my dad used to work at the World Trade Center when when there still was one, and. Uh, he worked on the 49th floor, and uh, I couldn't even, like, go into his office with the windows behind it or, or up on the roof, and my kids like to mess with me when we go to New York and take me up to high places because they like that. Uh, I'm afraid of beets. Uh, don't believe that was a food God made for us to eat. When we get to heaven, we're going to find that out. Wedding feast of the lamb, no beets. It's a root not a food. Okay. I am afraid of Amy Winehouse. She's just a scary lady, man. I am afraid of her. Um, Fear can be your friend, though. I was dating Cherie. Uh, We were in high school. Um, We were dating for three months, and I had not held her hand yet. I figured, you know, make her suffer. No, I was scared, you know? So I decided Poltergeist was a a scary movie that was coming out uh, at the time in the mid to early 80s, early to mid 80s. And so I brought her to that because I knew that she got scared with scary movies. And dude, it worked. (laughs) It worked, huh? So fear can be your friend, but um, there is a kind of... Of fear that we want to talk about this morning It's very powerful. It's very important. It's not horror. It's different. And, and I need for us to change the way we think about fear. The worst kind of fear is the fear of people. The fear of people versus the fear of God. That's what we're going to look at Fearing people versus fearing God. When I talk about fear of people, I know of which I speak because I suffer from this. What will people think if I do this or don't do this or say this or go here or talk to this person or don't talk to this person or reveal my heart or open myself up? What are they gonna think? What are they gonna approve? And I'd ask yourself to ask these questions. Ask yourself, who am I most concerned about disappointing? Who am I most concerned about offending? It might be a group of people. Who do I most want to have the approval of? It might be popular people in your school. It might be the jocks. It might be a crush that you have. It might be the people that you work with or live in your neighborhood, you might want them to think that you're successful, that you've got it all together. It might be your boss. You, you have an image that you want them to think of. Pam's going, no. Oh. <laughs> it's very funny. Um, who have we given that power to? How have, who have we given that power to to determine Whether we speak or don't speak, what we say or don't say, who we talk to, who we ignore, who we marginalize, who we reject, who have we valued their opinion so much that they are the ones that determine whether we party like rock stars or go our own way or use our sexuality as a tool And give it away as cheap and common or hold it as precious and beautiful and valuable? Who have we given that influence to in our lives? Who do we most want to like us? And what are we willing to do to make sure that they do? And it can happen in church. In fact, it often does. We're going to take a look at the scripture And see how it does. Whose approval do we most most seek? That answer is who we most want to be happy with us, to like us, approve of us. Those are the people that we fear. Those are the people that we fear. And the question is, the one whose approval we most seek, the one who we most choose to please or accommodate. Those are the ones that we most fear. And the question for the Christian, if you are a Christian, if you become one today, it's this. Do we fear people or do we fear God? That is more than just a question. It is a fundamental It is a fundamental decision that you and I face every single day. It's a decision that we'll make this morning that will affect every single area of our lives. Not just how we dress, not just how we speak, every single area of our lives. This is not just peer pressure. Tom's talking about peer pressure. No, it is so much deeper than that. This is soul-crushing, faith-shattering, life-destroying pressure. So we're going to look at the scripture in Acts 4, the question of do we fear God and most want to please him, or do we most fear people and most want to please them? Because that's the situation that Peter and John are finding themselves in. They're not the only ones, because the religious leaders that they're standing in front of, if you've been coming through this with us, you know that they're in court, if you will. And they're both facing the question, who are they going to fear more? Are they going to fear God or are they going to fear man? Now, they're going to make two very different choices. One will make a choice that God blesses. The other will make a choice that God condemns. And we have to wrestle through this and figure out who are we more like right now. And do we want to stay on that path or do we want to choose to fear God and all that comes with it? It's so important. It is so important. I'm wrestling with it right now, right this minute. Here's how subtle it is I want to do a good job of bringing you God's truth. Is my underlying motivation because I want for you to think that I've done a good job in bringing you God's truth? Or do I want him glorified above all so that he can use this time, so that he can use his word to accomplish what he wants and I get out of the way? You will not know the difference, probably. But I will and God will and in eternity It is all that matters. It is the difference between whether this is a show or whether this is an opportunity for us to come together as broken people who look to Jesus Christ to be changed. And the power of God is in this place. That's what hangs in the balance. What's at our underlying motivation? So this is why it's so important. And it affects every single area of your life and mine. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to read the passage. We're going to pray. We're going to go back and unpack what's there. Take a look at what's in it for us. And along the way, I want you to meet a very, very special friend who embodies what we're talking about. Okay, so let's read the passage. Acts 4. We're going to pick it up in verse 14. Now, if you remember, Peter and John, the church has just been formed, and, and, and it's exploding. The gospel is going forth. Thousands upon thousands are believing. Um, a man who was crippled, paralyzed from birth has now been healed. The temple is full of people praising God. Rare thing in there. They are rejoicing in the power of Jesus Christ. This man who never stood on his feet is walking. It's a beautiful thing, and the religious leaders are furious. They have already imprisoned Peter and John overnight, and now they're standing before them. This is where it is: Acts 4:14. 4, but seeing the man who was healed beside them, them meaning the, the religious leaders, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they commanded them, but when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another. Here's what they said. What shall we do to these men? For, for that a noble sign has been performed through them is evident that all the inhabitants, to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And we can't deny it. We cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them back and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus, But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. Let's pray. Father. We want this all for your glory, for the glory of Jesus Christ, for the glory of your spirit. I confess my pride, my sinfulness of, of even having a tinge of wanting people to feel a certain way about me. Lord, we want to we end this time. We want to spend this whole time saying, what a great God we serve. What a great God we serve. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for your mercy. We ask for your Holy Spirit to fall, to fill, to do with what only you can do. Lord, I pray against the enemy, his servants, their works and effects. We pray for your Holy Spirit that would be in our words, in your word, in our hearts, our minds. We ask you to open eyes, open hearts and reveal yourself. Lord, help us to fear you and not people so that we might live the glorious life in the marvelous light that we sang about. Lord, we look forward to being changed in this time and forevermore. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Acts 4, 14. Let's take a look at it. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them he's standing beside Peter and John they're standing before the religious leaders these are the very people who put Jesus to death who sentenced him can't you see this guy the Bible says he was 40 years old he was born paralyzed he has he's standing this is such a new thing for him right he hasn't gone through like the twos and the threes when we're all standing for the first time can't you see him can't you, he's like a walking sideshow, I mean, this guy, he's like legs, man, you know, he's got this grin on, this is how I picture it, and he's standing before these important people, he's he's exploring the wonderful world of standing, you know, he's like this for a little while, and then he's standing like this, and he figures out he can stand on one leg. He's just loving it, man. He is so celebrating what Jesus Christ has done. Now, this is extra scriptural. It's just, you, you just put yourself there. You're, 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 you're seeing yourself there. They're seeing this guy, and they have nothing to say in opposition, verse 14 says. They have nothing to say to say the most over-educated, self-important, self-righteous, learned people in the church have absolutely nothing to say about it. This is the first time this has happened for most of them, I suspect. It's a little bit like, you know, when you're in trouble with your parents and like your mom comes in and you've covered your little sister's head with peanut butter to see how many Cheerios you could stick to her face and you're in trouble, but you just can't deny that it's funny, and she can't speak. Well, it's a little more serious than that, but they don't know what to say. They're dumbstruck. So what do they do to save face? They got to save face. They're all about what other people think of them. What do they do for, to save face? Here we go. 15, but they commanded them to leave the council. They can't stand here. They can't stand the tension. They can't stand knowing that Jesus and his followers have kind of gotten the best of the most respected, stuffy, robed, accomplished, polished church leaders in the war, You know, in, in the world. They send him out. Some guy. Can't you see? He gets this bright idea. He finally pipes up. Okay, you young men. You young men, you know what you got. You got a time out. Go in that room. And all of them are thinking this is a brilliant idea. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're going and don't come back until we tell you. Yeah, and sit on your hands and look at the wall. So, so they get rid of them, they send them out. They commanded them to leave the council and then they talked to one another. They conferred with one another, verse 15 says, saying, What shall we do with these men for that a notable sign? has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Now, everybody has seen this. Very public, very public healing. Everybody has seen it. And they call it what? A notable sign. A notable sign. They can't even bring themselves to say the word miracle. It's a miracle. This guy who hasn't, who who spent Half of his life, paralyzed, is now dancing and leaping, it says, and praising God. And everybody saw it. And it was done in the name of the very Jesus that they condemned, that they put to death. And they have threatened these guys for doing it. They got a problem. They got a problem with what people think. And they have to do everything that they do to please the people and to save face, rather than to worship this God whom they have rejected, who has done something miraculous, not only in front of them, but in front of all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And what do they say? We cannot deny it. We cannot deny it. Right here. Do you see it? They know that Peter and John are right That Jesus is right, that he is alive, that he is moving, that he has miraculous healing power to set people free. And they've seen seen what he's done and the people have witnessed this and they cannot deny it. What kind of people cannot deny the existence of God but do not accept it either? Those who in the opinion of men and women benefit from things not being that way? How can we, living here, as Matt prayed, we go out, we see the mountains, we see the valleys, we see the streams, we see the forests, we see all that God has made. How can we celebrate that in our hearts and yet not deny it, but then go out and live as if that's not true? Well, If we feel like we benefit from denying that it's not true, if we fear that if we truly lived as if that powerful, creative God wants to be powerful and creative in my life, my friendships might have to change. My habits might have to change. My work life, my friendships, the way that I respond to people whom my friends reject might have to change. My plans for this weekend might have to change. I benefit, I think, by acting like that's not true. That's what the church leaders did. We cannot deny it, but they did not receive it either. What's the problem? What's the problem with them receiving it? Well, if they receive it, they're going to have to change. Everything's going to have to change. They are where they are based on the opinion of people. People have exalted them. People have have held them up. And if if they admit that Jesus is Lord, that he is alive, that he is working in and through his people and his spirit, everything's got to change. And they would rather have a dead church where Jesus doesn't show up and Jesus doesn't show off than a place that they can't control where he is alive. And that might seem... Rare, it is very, very common. I would rather fulfill my religious duty... In a place where I'm not challenged, where I'm not stretched, where God is not showing up, where God is not prompting me to do great and wonderful things and and call me to repentance so that he can make me the man or woman I'm created to be. But in order to do that, I'm going to have to change. And in order to change, i got to admit I don't have it all together. And I'm not willing to do that, especially not if anybody's looking. And if that makes any sense to you, as it makes sense to me, then I got some repentance to do because there's there's part of the religious leader that's hidden away in me and puts a cap on what I'm willing to allow, on what I'm willing to do, on what I'm willing to seek, on how I'm willing to respond. And it's responsible in large part for the fact that what we read and hear of the church in the power of God is so much different than what we experience in our own lives and in this place regarding the power of God. And, and will of God. And I'm part of the problem. And if you are too. There's good news. There's good news. We can change that. We can change that through, the, through God. Verse 17. Let's take a look. What shall we do with these men? And we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people. That it may spread no further among the people. This is the plan of the enemy. This is the plan of the evil one. That the good news and the gospel might spread no further. Spread no further. Ryan, would you uh, pull up the, the purpose statement of the church? Say this with me as we do to be a growing, relevant family of missionaries who desire to see Western and Gunnison know Jesus Christ. Now, that is based in, in, on many scriptures, but primarily on the great commission that we would spread the gospel to the ends of the earth. The news of God's love, his desire to set free, forgive, and give new life through Jesus Christ to everybody, to everybody. Now, if we abide by this, that it would spread no further, it shuts that down. It shuts that down entirely. It creates closet Christians where it's okay to believe in God, but that's a personal thing. Here's here's the devil's lie here it is. Spiritual matters are very personal. And so you should keep them personal, you should keep them to yourself. Because in sharing the one that has set you free, in sharing the one that you worship and live for, you may be contradicting what somebody else believes, even if you do it in love. And that might be offensive. And that is the greatest of worst thing that can happen. And everybody will be better off if you just believe what you believe. That's fine. But keep it to yourself, please. Everybody will be happier except for Jesus, for you, and for everybody else, okay? (laughs) Jesus will not be better off because his entire rescue mission, his entire revolution of love depends upon everybody knowing that he was crucified for our sins, he died for our sins, he rose for our salvation. This offer of of, this gift of eternal life and and joy and peace and and oneness with God and, and reconnecting us with him and with each other is for everybody. And then he's called all of his followers to be part of sharing that. So he won't be happy. It contradicts his charge to us. Go, therefore, in the power of the Holy Spirit and celebrate who I am what I've done and what I want to do in people's lives. Go. And you won't be any better. You won't be better off because as long as you put the kibosh on the Holy Spirit and you don't let him overflow in you, you will never know the joy of full surrender and full obedience that God has called you into. And other people won't be better off because apart from Jesus Christ, we're all living a life that bears more resemblance to what the Bible calls death under the weight of sin, under the weight of guilt, under the weight of loneliness and spiritual disconnection from God and from each other. People aren't better off. People aren't better off. We live to celebrate the gospel of Jesus Christ. We speak and, and, and play and work and do family and do softball or whatever it is you do to celebrate the great grace of our great God and Savior. And it's a gift for everybody. We can't hold it in. And they're saying they have to hold it in. Speak no further. It's just Spread no further among the people. Let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. These people who couldn't say the word miracle also won't bring to their lips the name of Jesus to speak any more in this name. So they call them back. They call them back and they charge them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. There we go. Verse 19, here it is. Here is the crux of it. But Peter and John answered them. This is the first time they speak. And here here it all boils down. The motivation is uncovered. I want you to see what's going on here. And they speak and they say, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. Did you see what they just did? Do you see what they just did? They just cold cocked the religious leaders who are to speak for God. They say, We can either listen to God or we can listen to you. And here's the subtext because you're not speaking for God anymore. And we can either fear what you're going to do to us or we can have a loving, celebrating, joyful, holy fear of God. And that's what we choose. That's what we choose. We cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 9:16: Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. If the gospel is your very life, if Jesus is your very life, can you imagine holding it in? It's almost like winning the lottery and saying, okay, but you can't tell anybody. You find the man or woman of your dreams that you can spend the rest of your life with, but to your wedding and about your marriage, you tell no one. You gotta share it. It's like stopping the sunset or holding back the tide. True followers of Jesus Christ who are filled with the Spirit can't hold it in. We cannot but speak of what we've seen and heard. It is our life. It is ultimate reality. And it's a blessing for you and I desperately love you and want that blessing in your life. You don't have to know theology. You don't have to know deep theology to speak life into your friends. We can't but speak of what we have what? Seen and heard. When you go on a great vacation, you guys, I look forward. It's fun to relive that, Right? Part of the joy is talking about going and part of the joy is taking it and then part of the joy is recounting for other people how great it was. Part of the joy of following Christ, part of the full experience is sharing with others, you know what he's done for me? Oh, and then just invest in their lives, demonstrate his love for them. Invite them here. We'll do the theology part. We'll we'll provide the introduction. Share what you have seen. Share what you have heard. You can't help it if you're fully filled with God. And when they had further threatened them, let me just say this quickly. Threatened people threaten people. Threatened people threaten people. When When people threaten you, know that you've gotten to them. Not that our job is to try to get people threatened, but they, they've gotten under their skin and so they threaten them probably with bodily injury and harm. Heck, they had their savior crucified. It's not a stretch for these guys. Then they let them go, finding no way to punish them. Here's their motivation. Here it is. Because of the people. We can't have people mad at us. We can't have people thinking we don't know what's going on. They were all praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. This is not to say there's anything wrong with being over 40. It's not saying being 40 is old. 40 is middle age. I want you to, I want you to, Take note of two things. One is that we know from verse 2 of chapter 3 in Acts that this man was born paralyzed. If he was going to get, why do they say he's over 40? Because if he was going to get better by human means, by natural means rather, it would have happened already. Number two. I think the takeaway for us is this. He had spent the first half of his life physically paralyzed and spiritually paralyzed because he did not know Jesus Christ. That is no excuse for spending the second half of your life paralyzed because you don't know Jesus Christ. That's for somebody here. That's for somebody here. I'd like you to meet a woman who fears God and just about nothing else. Kathy Gallagher is a missionary uh, whom this church has had the great blessing to be able to financially support for many years. She does wonderful work. Um, she reaches out to the Uyghur people in China. She came to the states this past year to get a master's in education. Is that right, teacher Ed? Or uh, right? So she could take uh, teach English and stay in the country. Very recently. It it has always been oppressive. The government persecution has always been there. It has recently been ramped up. People are being killed. There are riots. Uh, Some of the people that she works with, some of the people she ministers to, to make sure that they receive the gospel, are, are being threatened with their very lives. Now, if you feared men, this would be the time to think about going to the beach and sipping on a drink that has a small umbrella in it. But Kathy fears God and she is ramping up in the midst of this persecution, in the midst of this danger to try to get back into country, to get back to these people, to share the gospel. Would you share with us for a couple of minutes? Kathy is also going to be here after the service. We'll have a brief time. She's brought some pictures. If you have time and you can stay, we encourage you to do that. Thanks,
1: Tom. It is great to be here. Um, So thank you for your support and your prayers for so many years. I know a lot of you are students or new, and I don't know you personally, but I just want to thank you. Um, It's a privilege to be here. So Um, like Tom said, my name is Kathy Gallagher, and I work with the mission organization in China. Now, when you think of China, you usually think of Chinese people. (laughs) But about 10% of the country is actually minority peoples that tend to be really different than the Chinese. And the group I work with are called the Uyghurs. So have you guys heard of them before? Or Okay. Some of you are like, who? The what? <laughs> well, the Uyghurs are a Muslim people group, and they're ethnically Turkic. So they look different than the Chinese. They speak a different language. They write using an Arabic script. And um, the hardest part is they're Muslim. And so the thing is I'm listening to Tom preach this sermon, I think, is so encouraging. God's word is so relevant. What... Um, was going on 2,000 years ago, actually still goes on today, even in our country. Um, The religious leaders did not want Jesus' name proclaimed. And you know, it's kind of true in China. (laughs) Um, I don't want to mislead you. My life is not threatened in China, but there are some obstacles to sharing the gospel. And the first one is, it's technically against the law for me to share Christ with Uyghurs or Chinese people. It's it's illegal for me to do that. Um, I could get kicked out of the country. Generally speaking, China doesn't put foreigners in prison. They just deport you and say, you've got 10 days to leave, get out. <laughs> so, But honestly, that's not what I'm most afraid of. Because China doesn't normally look that closely at my personal discussions with people one-on-one. But the bigger fear is Islam. Um, I'm sure you've, you know, just in the 911 environment after that and, and the way that Islam operates sometimes, there are some Uyghur Muslims who would be very angry, very angry if they knew that I was there to win their people for Christ. Um, Now, again, this being a communist country, they're not going to probably kill you or hurt you because the government is so strict on things. But what I fear, and this is the thing that I think fear, if I told you I never feared, I'd be lying (laughs) because I do. But the biggest fear for me is when I think, oh, I've got this Uyghur friend here who's a Muslim. We've got a great relationship. I like her or I like him. They're great. We get along wonderful. What are they going to think If I start sharing Christ with them, are they going to reject me? Um, And another fear is that sometimes the Muslims, if they figure out you're not just a Christian, we expect you to be a Christian, you're from the West, but you're a missionary. When they think that, they can go back and tell other Uyghurs, don't spend time with Kathy, she's a missionary, she's a Christian. And so I fear those things. If I'm honest with you, those are things sometimes in my heart that make me want to shrink back. But the good thing is that later on in this passage... um, I guess what motivates me, there's several things here, but later on it says, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God boldly. You know, I'm not strong, naturally, it's just not who I am, but God's Holy Spirit is, and we let him fill us. He gives us the courage and the boldness to speak Christ, even to people that could be angry at you, or just want to reject you, or just be apathetic that 's sometimes even the biggest issue is less the anger than just the apathy, and so um, I found that god 's holy Spirit has given me boldness not of my own strength but his strength to share with tons and tons of muslims and it 's such a joy and just like Tom said here, where it says where peter and john 's answer back to the religious leaders was we cannot help but talk about or speak about what we 've seen and heard and I became a Christian in high school and was a believer here and involved in the Christian group here at Western. You know, the Lord has worked in my life. I know he's true, and I know he's real, and um, I cannot help. I can't hold that in because I look at these Uyghur friends of mine, and I think, you know, if I don't tell them, no one is. There's not a big Uyghur church that can tell them there's a Uyghur bible or a new testament now but you can't go buy it in a store you've got to meet someone that's got one and so um i just look at this and think it's such a huge privilege and god god is the one that gives us you know that fear issue really it's not i'm not afraid of the radical muslims i'm afraid of how this is going to affect my friendship with someone and that's the same fear that we have right here in america you're thinking is is my you know someone in the dorm or my roommate or my classmate going to start thinking I'm weird if I share with them. But the good news is that God is working. And that's one thing I just want to leave you with, too, is that God's given me some amazing situations that I could not dream up and I couldn't have manufactured that have happened. I was in a small village one time in a really Muslim area, and we were just walking through the village, and the imam who's like the leader of the mosque or the religious leader comes up. And because I'm a foreigner and I was with another foreigner, he wanted to talk with us. And, um, you know, right there, like normally Muslim moms don't want to talk to a woman so much, but because I was a foreigner, he was interested and we had a great conversation about Jesus with the Muslim imam (laughs) like I could not have manufactured that the Lord opened that door he didn't become a believer but you know I think he was a step or two further along of understanding what Christians really believe about the Lord and God just opened that door and you know I can't there's so many stories I could tell you but I'll just tell you really quickly I've had one Uyghur believer friend that's come to my room before bringing a friend he said Shir Ali needs to receive Jesus he's ready to receive Jesus we just need your help (laughs) <laughs> like, what a cool thing. I mean, you know, all I had to do was just, okay, well, let's talk about it, you know. And um, another girl asked me recently last year, what does the word Christian mean? Um, there are Uyghur people out there that, now, there's always going to be some people anywhere in the world that are going to reject the message and not want to hear it. But there are Muslims out there that are so curious about the Word of God. And when I show them a Bible in Uyghur, the New Testament, it's kind of like the forbidden fruit, like, oh, can I look at it? Because they can't see it. So just to encourage you that God is the one that gives us the boldness to share. And um, the people, I just want to leave you with this thought. There are two weaker believers right now, Osman and Alim, who are in prison, just like Peter and John for sharing their faith. And Osman was given a two-year hard labor sentence, and he's in prison with the real Muslim extremists. But you know what? God's protecting him. And the only we've had, not heard a lot of reports, but what we have heard is that He said there are miracles happening in here. So pray for Osman that he's due to be released later this year. Pray that they really do release him. Another believer, and Osman, the reason he got in prison is because he was just always sharing Jesus with other Muslims. And in the city that he, little town where he used to work on a farm, there was a small movement happening there because he was just talking about the Lord. And this is a place where for centuries, maybe there was a small window of time where there was a church, but it got wiped out. So this is a place where, most people just have not heard, and because Osman was not afraid, and let the Spirit fill him and give him the strength, that happened. The other man is Alam, and he's, same thing, he's in prison for being a believer, and they've kind of been just holding him without charging him, so you could pray for these guys, and again, thank you so much, and it's just a privilege. I just love coming back to Gunnison Western, so thanks, Tom. God
0: bless you. We look forward to hearing more from you. Thank you. And uh, the, some of the pressure, some of the violence, is that abated a little bit, or...?
1: be i think it's going to be like tom said there were riots in our city and it was mostly between the chinese and the uyghurs but islam was part of the motivation in the killings that happened so i think now the government's really clamped down and the fear now is not so much that the riot's going to happen again but that there's so much fear in people's hearts mm-hmm. you know just to talk about things so mm-hmm. yeah thank you
0: thank you uh if you've got a chance to stay and, and see the pictures and hear the stories i encourage you to do so if I don't tell them, nobody will. I know when people get diagnosed with cancer <clears throat> or they've had an accident, they're close to death. Question we get is, do you think they know Jesus? I'm like, well, that's a good question to ask. What, in preparation for death, Christ came in preparation for life. It isn't a fire insurance policy so that when we die, we don't go to hell. It is that, but it's so much more. What about when we live? What about living that actually looks like life rather than living that actually is death? Do we love people enough to care about whether they hear that? Thank you. She's rushing in Kathy Gallagher is a woman of small stature. She's not a big person. But let me tell you, in the spiritual, she is a giant. She has a countenance that is gentle and sweet. But I will tell you this, in the spiritual, when she walks into a room, the devil and his demons tremble and flee because they know the power of a heart that is fully surrendered to God and fears not man so much, but fears God. And that is what you've just witnessed as a person you've just seen. Somebody who has sacrificed relationships and wealth and comfort and future for the sake of the cross and our Christ so that others that she doesn't even know might believe and be be made new and brought life. And this is not the definition of the super-Christian. According to the word of God, this is the definition for every follower of Jesus Christ. And I say to you when I receive this question, are we truly followers of Jesus Christ? Because this is the normal Christian life. Not having Jesus as a casual acquaintance, which I have tried to get away with in the past. We are in a war a wonderful, beautiful revolution that the creator God who loves everyone and everything is seeking to restore and revive and forgive and redeem. And in a war, there is no place in the bleachers. John Piper in closing said this, He asked this question with regard to do we fear man or do we fear God? Let me share it with you. He said, where are the young men and women of this generation who will hold their lives cheap and be faithful unto death? who will lose their lives for Christ, flinging them away for love of him? Where are those who will live dangerously and be reckless in his service? Where are the men of prayer? Where are the men who will count God's word more precious unto them than their daily food? Where are the men who, like Moses of old, commune with God face to face as a man speaks with his friend? Where are God's men in this day of God's power? Where are the men who will say with Joab, who stood with his brother Abishai, surrounded by Assyrians and Ammonites, brother, be courageous, and let us play the man for our God and for the cities of our God. And may the Lord do what seems good to him. Where are the Joabs today? Where are the women, the married women, the single women, who will say with Esther, when Mordecai came to her and says, Esther, you got to do something. You got to do something about this because your people are perishing. And she said to him, tell the people to fast. And I will go in before the king, although it is against the law and punishable by death. And if I perish, then I perish. She was so consumed with pleasing her God that being rejected by people or suffering meant absolutely nothing. People you already know, people you already love are dying. Emotionally, physically, relationally, spiritually. And the free gift of Jesus Christ is life, forgiveness, salvation. That's what the cross is, rebirth, a new life. Everybody who's received that has the call to share that, regardless of what people think. Can you imagine being cured of cancer walking into a cancer ward, and not telling anybody how it happened. When it was available to them and free to you, it's almost unconscionable. Cancer will only kill you for this life. We're talking about all eternity, this life and forevermore. We who've been set free have also been given the keys Don't just visit the jail. Start unlocking the doors, throwing them open. Men, let me plead with you. Are you more concerned with looking like a man than being a man? In God's eyes. To defend and protect and ransom those without a voice, those without power, those who are suffering, Un bondage, they don't even know. Leading your children, leading your wife, leading your family, leading your girlfriend into life. Ladies. if you put the time in to allowing God to transform your heart, that you do, trying to be attractive to us. The world would change. This city would change. The college would change. Many don't want you to speak the name of Jesus. But it is the only way that they can be set free. Who will you fear? The one you fear controls you. The one you fear is your God. Let's make sure it's Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, you are so good. There are believers here with me today. And Lord, we have let our lives be shaped by the opinions of others. We play it safe. We don't want to be rejected. We don't want to be freaks. And Lord, without saying it, we don't really want to be yours when we do that. And Lord, we don't want to go from this place after having heard your word and being affected by your Holy Spirit. We don't want to leave here the same. We want to most please you. We don't want to have the lid put on our spirits, our hearts, our lives because of others that's you, and you want to join me in a new way of following Jesus Christ, as Peter and John did, I ask you to raise your hand to God. I'll pray for us. I'll pray for us. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you want more boldness, good. Good for you. Good for you. Good for you. God bless you. Lord, come. Come, fill our hearts with such a holy and wonderful, delightful, loving, awesome fear of your holiness and your righteousness, that your call on our life trumps everything else. Lord, we want to we see you glorified. We want to see people blessed. We want to see people set free. We want to see your kingdom advanced. Lord, we ask for that this, to th- this day, and we repent of the times we haven't done that. Maybe you've lived one of those lives that the scripture and I have talked about that looks and feels a whole lot more like death, disconnected from God, disconnected from each other. And you want to give your heart and your life to Jesus and start this wonderful journey with him and join the rescue mission that he's all about. You want to come to him. You want to belong to him and him to you. Maybe for the first time, maybe for the first time in a very long time, I'd ask you to raise your hand to God if that's the case. God will meet you here. He will turn it around. He will do what Luther calls the great exchange on the cross, where your sin becomes his and he pays the price and his righteousness becomes yours. All by grace. If that's you and you want to receive Jesus Christ, I just ask you to slip your hand up. I'll pray for you. I'll pray with you. If you pray with me, Make this your prayer in your heart. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for rising for my salvation. I want to receive you now. I bring you all my sin, all my resistance, all my fear of man issues, everything. Lord, I lay it at your feet. Thank you for forgiving me for my sins. I want you to be my Lord and my Savior and I will trust entirely in you and follow you all the days of my life to bring you joy because that's all that matters to me. In Jesus' name, amen.